0: All right, welcome back to another episode of The Shadows of Jesus. Um, my name is Jeff Martin, and today I'm joined by the one and only... Carter Wine. Carter Wine. Back again. Yeah, Bill's on vacation. Carter, you're normally behind the camera and the mics, but today you're on it. Yep. We didn't pick this uniform look. I mean, like a, no, a, a I shorts. No, we're the exact same shorts. Shorts, five-inch <laughs> five inseams. We're just scandalous on camera right now, but yeah, it is what it is.
1: I guess you should have worn sandals, or I should have worn close-knit yeah, shoes.
0: My fault. Well, anyway, so today um, we've been flying through so many books, and today we get to slow down for Esther, which I love because I love Esther. Yeah. So this should be a fun discussion. We're just going to conquer Esther today, and hopefully, see what we can't can't get out of it um, as far as pointing us to Jesus. So, all right. So, r- kind of real quick, historically, what's happening is. Um, the Jews have been carried off into exile by the Babylonians. The Syrians conquered Israel, Babylonians conquered um, Judah. And, but Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they all promised a remnant that they would return. And so eventually that more or less comes to fulfillment through, through Cyrus the great. So, so he conquers Babylon and lets people go back to their homelands, even gives them resources to -hmm. to rebuild. And then obviously he's going to tax them and, Right. Leverage that, but he lets them go back, and so all these Jews go back. I mean, we saw that with Ezra and Nehemiah, but some people would like like we kind of like the Persian life, so they stay back. They don't return, and more or less, Esther and Mordecai and the people we hear about these are these are Jews that didn't return to the homeland.
1: Yeah, I think there might be an element of we know that God can use us here, yeah, so we're gonna
0: stay here. Yeah, I mean, I mean Jeremiah more or less said like plant gardens. Yeah, you know, live live here and make it better. So I'm sure, like they're they're invested there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's jump let's jump in. So um, chapter one, we see that Persia is huge. How how big is Persia?
1: 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia.
0: Yeah, massive. And so um, King Xerxes, I mean, he's throwing this huge party as a person who's conquered a lot of land. It lasts 180 days. How many months? How many months is that? Six right? six months, yeah. Just in his luxurious palace, which it kind of like shows the Jews would have prided themselves in their temple, and it's like like we're almost seeing like this kind of comparing contrast to to his palace beauty as there's as it's described in Esther. Mm-hmm. That's what the pa- that's what the temple should look like, but here's this you know secular king's palace that looks better. But um, what happens after the the hundred and eighty day party? Yeah, so he throws the party.
1: And then he does a seven-day feast. And on the last day when he's drunk, he commands his wife to come out in front of all the men so it can show her off. Um, but she refuses to come out, and he gets pretty mad. If I, I think, if I remember correctly, like in the Hebrew, it's like the implication is that he essentially wants her to come naked and like strip, do a strip tease in front of all of them. And she's like, uh,
0: nope. nope. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's had too much to drink. He's like, my wife's so hot. You guys do it. Bring her out. <laughs> and yeah. she's like... I'm not. No, nope. I'm not your object. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, and so, um, so she she won't come out, and then, um, which causes some potential issues. So he's mm-hmm. got wise men, yeah, some counsel that surrounds him. What do they advise him to do in in her defiance to to not go and strip for other men?
1: They're like, well, if if this get if this nothing happens, then our wives are gonna do the same thing. So, if word gets out, every woman will follow her lead and start defying their husband. So we need to get her
0: out. Yeah. Basically like show them if you defy the King, you are no longer the queen. And so mm-hmm. you get her out of the, get her out of the throne room, kick her out, disown her, divorce her, whatever, whatever they did yeah. in that time. So um, that gets us to, to chapter two. And now there's no longer the wise men speaking into his ear, but it says the young men. Yeah. Like his, his frat bros, right? The young men. And, um, and so what, what do they say? They're like, hey, let's get
1: all the best-looking young virgins and have a beauty pageant, and then you can pick the girl
0: that you want to be your next queen. Yeah, so this is basically like a... I I don't know if this is what my wife, Lucy is, is watching on Netflix. It's like the algorithms, but like we get all these reality shows right now. It's like top 10. It's like, like the dating shows where they bring in people. Do you get that too? Or is it just my family? Um, well I don't watch them. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't get them on my list. I kind of just pretend they don't exist. (laughs) So just out of, out of my family is watching trashy shows sometimes. Love is blind. Yeah. So, uh, but right now it's, it's like, there's like, there's so many dating shows where it's like, they bring out people and you try to pick the one, find the one and they're just prating beautiful people in front of mm-hmm. each other it's kind of like the bachelor or the bachelorette and so here's yeah. king xerxes he's like hey we're just gonna let you see all the most beautiful women and why don't you pick the one that you think's the most beautiful mm-hmm. um and and so well, is he pro or against that idea well of course he's for it yeah. it's like beautiful women absolutely he's in okay so um so then at this point one of, the, one of the main characters um, or the main character enters the picture. So one of the main characters, Mordecai, shows up, um, but then the main, he introduces us to the main character. Um, so he's taken away during the Babylonian captivity, Mordecai. He's raising his cousin as his own daughter because her parents have died. So his, you know, so his brother and sister, I guess, have passed away, right? No, his aunt and uncle. Yeah. So that's it. So his aunt and uncle have passed away. And so now they've got his cousin, and he's like, "I am going to raise her like she's my own, my own daughter." And, and mm-hmm. what's her name? Hadassah or Esther? Esther, the the girl with two names. Yeah. All right. So one's Jewish, one's Persian, and she tends to like the the Persian name a little better on the front end. Yeah. Um, all right. So so what happens? What happens next? Well, Esther is very
1: beautiful and she wins the affection of the eunuch. And so when they're being gathered up for the King's beauty pageant, she's taken away.
0: So she, she's, I mean, she's got everything at this moment that I think people think would make them happy. Like she's got beauty. She's got all the resources of the King's palace. Um, she's got people waiting on her hand and foot. Um, she's kind of like, I've heard it said that she's kind of like the, the old Testament Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's Esther. She's, she's, she's got it all. Um, so she's taken to King's palace. Um, and, and so he said she wins, wins favor. She's got two names. Um, one name's Persian. One name would be um, Jewish. What does Mordecai tell her to do as far as her Jewishness? He told her to hide it. He's like, don't let him know you're a Jew. Just interesting. Like we, we haven't seen any anti-Semitic tension at right. this point, um, but for some reason he tells her to hide it. So at this point we'd just be speculating mm-hmm. why he might do that. Do you have any thoughts at this point?
1: I don't, I don't think so. I haven't really heard or read anything that would kind of lead to like why she should hide it. Yeah. Other than it ends up being foreshadowing.
0: Yeah. So it's good. Good storytelling. Um, so it's probably four years at this point after the whole Vashti debacle, um, where Esther finally gets her turn. And so King Xerxes, you know, he's, he's been in the fantasy suite, so to speak with maybe over a thousand women. Mm-hmm. At this point, I mean, every day for four years, yeah. um, There was like about a year that, that he would have been waiting. But then after that, just day by day, women yeah, coming for before him. beauty treatments. Yeah, for beauty treatments. And it's finally her turn um, to come into the, to the suite. Um, read, read verse 17. Okay.
1: The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti.
0: The new queen. All right. So she gets the final rose. All right. So she's, she's picked. Um, but before um, chapter two closes, something, something happens. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's pretty quick hitting, but it's a big, big yeah. story. So what happens? So Mordecai hears about a plot from two guys
1: who are planning to kill the king.
0: And they're outside the gates. Yeah. and They're like, we should kill the king. And Mordecai's like, what are they saying? So he's yeah. listening in. So he tells Esther who tells the king. Cause she's now the queen. So right. she's like husband.
1: Um, and they investigate the plot. She gives all the credit to Mordecai. And they find out that it's true, and so they get hanged.
0: <laughs> they, they get they get whacked. And so, yeah, so what a crazy thing. Mordecai uncovers a plot. Esther helps it be proven true or make sure it's proven true. Mm-hmm. The king is like super thankful, and so he's like, you should write that down. And so they or I don't know if you told them to write it down or not. But either way, for some reason, it's written down yeah. in their chronicles or in their, their history books. Mm-hmm. And so we maybe some more foreshadowing. Yeah. Would you say we should? Mordecai saved the king. Yeah, tuck, tuck. Tuck that away. All right. And so that gets us to chapter three. In chapter three, we meet who do we meet? Haman. Haman. Dun dun dun. He's an Agagite. Um what 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 is there anything significant for us to know about the Agagites?
1: Yeah, so I think that the Agagites are very closely related to the Amalekites. So uh-huh. they're ancestral enemies of the Jewish people um, who God Told them to wipe them out. Told King Saul to wipe them out as payback for what they did in Exodus. Um, in Exodus. Uh, but he doesn't completely, and now here we are with the, the lineage, gen- generational tension between the Agagites and the Jews.
0: Yeah. So, so Haman, he's he's an anti-Semite. Like, yeah. Is that the word?
1: I think so. Anti-Semite.
0: Yeah. He's so anti-Semitic. Sorry. I can tell you that much. So he's he's Hitler, um, more or less, of the story here, and that's that's actually not stretching. The truth. Yeah. So here's this guy. He, he hates the Jews, but he gets elevated uh, to be more or less the right-hand man of the king. And, um, was he's walking around. People are bowing down to show him homage or Amit. I, I can't speak. I don't know. My vocabulary is not big. They're, okay. they're bowing down to him. Yeah. yeah. What, is, what, like what causes him to flip his lid? Like what, like what, where's their defiance here? Um, uh, Mordecai refuses to bow down to him. Yes, I'm not bound under that, dude. And so, what? How does Haman respond?
1: Uh, well, he's furious and sets out on a plot
0: to kill the Jews. Yes,
1: yeah, who goes because to the it's king. not enough to kill Mordecai. Yeah,
0: he goes to the king. He's like certain people. So he's not. He's he's not. He's very. He's not saying Jews. He's saying mm. certain people. Um, and then he goes. They're they're going to rebel against you. They they're weird. They're different. They're difficult. They're dangerous. And so we should wipe them all out. And the king, more or less, is like. Okay. Yeah. Here's my ring. And here's Write all the, the decree. Re- all the resources you need. And the signet ring is basically the power of the King is given to him for the purpose of wiping out a whole group of people. What's that called? Genocide. Yeah. Genocide. It's going to wipe out a whole, whole group of people. And, um, and it's, a uh, it's, it's, it's bad news um, specifically for Esther. Why is it bad news for Esther? Because she's Jewish. So she is a Jew. um, so the letter goes out to the whole city of Susa and it's not just saying soldiers, like soldiers go kill people. It's like neighbors, friends, yeah. employers, coworkers, everybody. everybody like, Hey, on this day, there's gonna be a day in a couple of months on this day. If you know, a Jew, kill him. Yeah. And so people are like, well, what? Like, I can't like, it's my friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Like I love that guy. Like I'm supposed to kill him now, and so the whole city's thrown into confusion. Everyone's f- freaking out, and um, and so what? How does Mordecai respond to this this letter when he sees it? Yeah, he publicly mourns. So he
1: tears his clothes, put on sack sackcloth and ashes. Um, he doesn't go past the king's gate, but he goes through throughout the city. Yeah. Um, in mourning, uh, and Esther hears about it. And tries to get him to stop because she doesn't know what's going on. As she hears like hey, Mordecai's out there mourning. She it, tries to give him clothes, and he's like, "I don't want him.
0: Yeah. So, so she, he's got a word that he wants to get to Esther. Word gets to Esther about the plan, and um, and so, um, and so she's like, "I can't do anything about this." Like, if like she's yeah. like, "Just
1: go to the king." She's like, "I can't go to the king without permission, or I might be killed." Yeah.
0: And I and like I'm not supposed to go for another month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. History
1: speaks for itself. We know if the king doesn't like what he wants, then something bad could happen.
0: Yeah. So well, um, verse 14, this is one of those, the most famous line probably yeah. in the book of Esther. It says, for if you keep silent at this time, who's speaking? Mordecai. Mordecai. Um, who's he speaking to? Esther. Esther. Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. He's like, basically, if you don't show up God, like God's promised to mm-hmm. preserve a remnant. So someone's yeah. going to show up. Um, so Jews, Jews from another place, he says, but you and your father's house will perish. So God will protect Jews historically, but mm-hmm. in this cultural moment, we're done for. And then he says this, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this if I, 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 I was a, a betting man, I would say 90% of sermons done on Esther are probably titled for such time as this. Oh yeah, I would <laughs> say so. Yeah, so um, so she asks people to fast. Um, she, she's like, I'm gonna give it a shot. And, um, and what, what does she say?
1: If I perish, I perish. So if I die, I die.
0: All right, I'll do it. If I die, it's, well, it's like jumping off a cliff, I guess. If I yeah. hit a rock, it's, that's it. Um, and that gets us to chapter five. So in chapter five, Esther goes to the king risking her life, but she's won his favor. Like she's good at that. That's probably her greatest skill. Um, so he asks her to come in and ask her what she wants. And she prepares a feast for him and Haman. And the king's like, okay, okay. Like, so what is it? What, what do you want from me? I'll give you up to half my kingdom. And she says, let me fix one more meal tomorrow. Then I'll make my request. And so just kind of suspense. Yeah. She's getting him to lean in. What Like, what's this about? And she's like, tomorrow. Any thoughts? Just wait. Is is there anything beyond that? Do you think?
1: I almost kind of wonder if it's just a, maybe like setting things in the right place, like making sure that every piece is perfectly
0: in place where it needs to be. I think she's just getting guys to to be like, ah, water. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? All right. So, um, and so after this, um, Heyman is just super happy. I mean, he's heading home. He's on cloud nine. He's like, I got to be with the king. And the queen invited me yeah, to I, an exclusive thing with yeah. just the
1: queen and the king and her.
0: It's like the show Suits when uh when Mike Ross gets invited to go to dinner with Jessica. Yeah. I'm watching that show on Netflix right now. <laughs> it's such a good
1: <laughs> show. Maybe not
0: highly recommended.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not at least not from here. Yeah. So, Business anyways,
0: um, so I already mentioned trashy shows. So I'm sorry. I, I need to. I listen to Christian music. <laughs> um. So so he's happy until what? What happens that just changes the course? Well, he sees Mordecai on the way home. Yeah, and so he gets really mad. He 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 lists all, He, he goes home. He starts listing off his accomplishments. Like yeah, this is like all the things i in front of his friends and his wife. He's
1: yeah. Like, Look at all the wealth and the kids that I have, and this power that the king has given me, and I have this exclusive opportunity to be with the king and the queen.
0: He's like, and none of this means a thing as long as that Mordecai is still alive. Yeah. And so what do they tell him that he should do? That he should erect a 75-foot-high gallow to hang Mordecai on. And you said that one of the translations you're reading in was like, like not just hanging, but impaling. Yeah. Um, so I, I love one of the books I was looking at was talking about how we, most of us know of esther um from veggie tales mm-hmm. and um and he's like it's probably much more like game of thrones than veggie tales because there's there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of sex um and a lot of impaling like a lot of impaling oh yeah um and so yeah so this is much more gruesome than we than probably we've led on to believe to most children it's like kind of like the flood no one ever shows much people dying and drowning yeah anyways so um any other thoughts on this before we get into the kind of the, the second half of the book I don't think so. So you, I know I know you love um, listening to podcasts that talk about Jewish literature. And, and yeah. so you, you can't not um, study the Old Testament in depth without really being introduced to what's called a chiastic structure. Right. And so the chi, just chiastic structure will typically show us what the, the central piece of a, of a complex piece of literature is. Right. And so Esther's like the best catechism ever or not catechism, chiastic structure ever. Yeah. Um, Do you know what the central part of Esther is? The king couldn't sleep. Like that's the whole, like the whole center of the book is the king can't sleep. I mean, think about it. It's it's like such a seemingly insignificant detail, yet everything hinges Mm -hmm. on this moment. I I think about Watergate and it's like, there's a piece of duct tape on a door and you're like such a seemingly insignificant piece of, information yet it leads to president Nixon <laughs> like resigning from yeah. office. Um, and so here's, it seems so small yet the King couldn't sleep. And so, um, so how do how do think, how does this central piece, the King not be able to sleep, turn everything around for Mordecai and the Jewish people?
1: Well, because he couldn't sleep. Uh, he asked for the chronicles to be read. So the history of his kingdom to be read.
0: Uh, we heard about this, earlier yeah when he uh when he kept the king from getting killed right so, so he's he's had it he has it read to him which is funny he's, he's reminded. Like, of, he's like I can't sleep read yeah. that that'll that'll knock me out so apparently I feel they, like that's pretty boring <laughs> like, so there re- this happened and then this happened yeah so they're, they're reading it and apparently there's just, they just so happen to open up exactly to what point in the book
1: yeah so they open up to when Mordecai saved the king saved the king from the plot
0: to kill him and so he's like, Mordecai. I, I remember that guy. He's like, what do we do for him? Yeah, what, did we do anything for him? And they're like,
1: no, we didn't nope. do anything.
0: And so so then someone's scurrying out about. Who, who's scurrying in the, kind of the, the foreshadow or the, the, the distance? Yeah, Haman's in the courtyard. Yeah, Heyman's out there. And he's like, go on in here, Heyman. And he yeah. goes, hey, if if I was going to honor somebody, like if I wanted to make sure that people celebrated this person properly, um what would you do? And who does Haman think he's talking about? Himself. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like me talking to my son, like, wait, if you were going to throw a party for a 10 year old boy, like, what would you do? He's like, this obviously is about my party. Yeah. Um, I would do, 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 do. like, he'd give us, and so Haman starts to listen off the things that he'd want. It's like, give him a robe, put the
1: crown on his head,
0: and put him on a horse. Put him on a horse at the King Road and, and take him and through town, march him through town and have people. Be yeah. like, you're awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and so the King's like, that is a great idea. Go do that for Mordecai. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like a beautiful piece of irony. He's like, oh, it's all for me. It like, wait a second. It was for the guy that I hate the most.
0: Yeah, and he does it. Yeah, <laughs> like he has to. He walks around <laughs> leading the horse, and he's like he's clothed in the king's clothes, and people are like saying awesome things about Mordecai. Like, this
1: man is great and to be honored. Yeah, and so probably through gritted teeth, and
0: then he then he has to run home. Is like think worst day, worst day ever. Yeah. Um. Anyways,
1: so how do you think he felt? Uh, probably pretty stupid. And definitely very angry.
0: Yeah. He was mortified because of Mordecai. Yep. Like, like there's like some fancy saying you could add into that. I made that up on the spot. Um chapter seven. Haman, I mean he's he's there's no time to cry. He's happy yeah. it said no time to cry. And um, and so so he's he's gotta get ready for the feast because mm-hmm. Esther was like Let's do another feast tomorrow. And so it's time. And so he's got to get ready to go eat with the king and with Esther. He gets there and the king once again is like, all right, what do you want? I'll give you up to half my kingdom. Yeah. And what is what does Esther use this moment to do?
1: She finally tells him to, she says, um, like her people have been given, she asked for her life and for her people to be saved because they've been given over to be destroyed, killed yeah. and annihilated.
0: Yeah, and then the king's like, "Who who did this?" She's like, "Haman, Haman," yeah. and he's furious. Yeah, he's like, "What in the world? Like you deceptive little punk! Like you never told me it was the Jews, yeah. um, or that it was my wife." You know, so she mm-hmm. finally reveals her Jewishness. You know, yeah. I almost wonder, that's out of the bag.
1: What Mordecai would have thought? Wait, the queen is Jewish. Like, I wonder. If, I wonder if he was like, "Oh no, I messed up." Oh, you mean, you mean Haman or Mordecai? Or, yeah, Haman,
0: sorry. Not so, Mordecai, Haman. He was like, oh no. Yeah, this is bad. And so, um, so then the king's so mad, he's got to go clear. So he goes to the garden. He's like, I need to clear my mind. I got to put my thoughts together. And meanwhile, Haman's like begging for his life. He falls on the bed where Esther is. And so as he's falling down to to beg for his life, the king walks in and sees this man on the bed. Yeah. He's like, are you assaulting my wife in my palace? Yeah. Go have that dude hung. And so what what, is, what does he get hung on? He gets hanged
1: at the gallows, the 70-foot-high gallows outside of his own house that he, he built. built for Mordecai. So
0: more irony. And the, and, the servants were like, hey, there's this gallows out by his house. <laughs> so she's that. Perfect. I mean, he already built the thing. And um, and so that that's, I mean, it's crazy. He wanted... He wanted um, Mordecai to be impaled above the city. Cause this is higher than the palace mm-hmm. um, for all the city to see. And now here he is the one being impaled above the city for all to yeah. see. Um, anything else in these chapters before we get into the final stretch, eight, eight through 10. All right, So chapters eight through 10, um, there's, there's one little problem. The decree to kill all the Jews on a certain day went out. Right. And the King's like, I can't change it. Law yeah. is law. Um, and so he's like, you figure it out. If you can figure out a loophole, if you can be, you know, more, more, uh, sly, crafty, know, crafty than, than, than Haman go for it. And so Mordecai and Mordecai is now given the signet ring. Yeah. So he's interesting because basically Haman was doing work for the King. And so he's dead now, which means there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. And the King's like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and so he's like, Mordecai, why don't you step Here, in? Take my ring. So so he, he steps in to do the work that Haman was once doing, but gets the ring and he he's now able to write a decree. What what does he basically ask or decree to happen? He decrees that the Jews can defend themselves. Yeah. So basically um, like we're not saying don't try to kill Jews. Yeah. But if you do, now the Jews by law have the right to fight back. Yeah. And so this ends up being a two day thing um where they defend themselves and a lot of people die um because not because the Jews went out to seek to kill them or to murder them right. but because they were attacked and they fought back and yeah. killed
1: i think it was 500 in susa yeah like like 75,000 75, throughout the whole region yeah between which maybe. i don't i don't remember reading that a long time ago but like reading that now i'm like wow that's a lot of people a lot of people dead
0: yeah and it's and they all tried it's crazy yeah. like that all those people tried to kill yeah. The Jews. But they didn't
1: plunder their their riches. Yeah. Like the Mordecai or Haman had ordered that the Jews be killed and their riches plundered, but the Jews they defended themselves and didn't plunder the riches. Yeah. So kind of like um, they were supposed this- to long time ago. Kill all the people and leave all the riches. Yeah.
0: So um this results in basically a complete reversal. Instead of those who hated the Jews gaining mastery over them, the Jews end up in the position of having mastery over their their opponents. And the result is the Feast of Purim. What's the Feast of Purim?
1: Yeah, so it's a a holiday that was created um, to remember the the feast. Yeah, Yeah. all all of the events in Esther. I think um, Purim comes from uh, Purim which like is dice. Like, like cast lots. a lot yeah. because um, a lot was cast to choose the day and the month. Mm-hmm. And so they're celebrating Purim instead. Yeah. Um, the feast where the juice prevailed.
0: Yeah. I remember um, one of the, we, 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 preached through Esther a couple of years ago and, and one of the resources I used was, um, was a Beth Moore study. And I think it was that study that she had like a recipe for cookies or, or bread that they make during this uh-huh. feast. And I was like, this is sweet. I should make that. I never did. Yeah. But, um, we could, well, I guess uh, we, uh, the should... resident staff baker should try. <laughs> should we celebrate Purim this year? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, why not? But um, I think it's a great reminder of what the whole book is about because, I mean, one is something that's interesting in, in Esther is that God is absent. Mm-hmm. And so we don't we don't see God in it. Yeah. Um, but what we see is like this is a really dark moment in Jewish history where the all the people almost get wiped out. But what we see is is that God... Um, isn't absent. He might right. be hidden, but he's not. He's not absent. He's still right. for his people. And so, um, Purim in the Book of Esther, it's a reminder that no matter how dark things get, um, because God is faithful to His promises, mm-hmm. um, there's there's always reason to hope. Yeah, I think one of the things
1: that I've heard is that the author of Esther intentionally leaves God out uh, from like. An obvious mention of God out because that's what it would have been like living in in that time, yeah, and God isn't obvious, but he's still there like we can see where he's moving, but
0: it's not obvious, yeah, that's a good word, and then we get to chapter ten, which i I, I, I asked this question but I'm not sure I might be wrong. this has to be the shortest chapter in the Bible, yeah. It's three. Sure. It's, it's three verses. I don't even think there's a psalm shorter. <laughs> so, I mean, so chapters and verses weren't in the original text. In the 1500s, we got chapters, which I would say are like streets. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if, if you're like, where does Jeff live? And I told you my street, you know, like, okay, I have a general idea. Yeah. And then in the 1700s, um, they added verses. Um, so that allows a chapter and a verse is like a street address. It helps you find things. And so the original mm-hmm. authors weren't like chapter one, verse one, it was like, Someone later came to add those things to help us find stuff more easily. So, what person? <laughs> what person in the 15 or 1700s is like? Let's start a chapter. Let's start a new chapter just to get this last paragraph in. Yeah, I was like, I don't know that there's anything like majorly
1: significant about those three verses. Yeah, in terms of like this changes the entire meaning of all of this.
0: Yeah, so I think as I was looking at it, one, I think we we see Mordecai is forever changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he's he's an but. What's interesting is the king just kind of goes back. He's not changed at all. This doesn't change the king. He's like, all right, let's tax people again. Yeah. Like, so he, so Mordecai and Esther and the Jews are forever changed, but the king is completely unimpacted. Like, cool impacted. Great, so, you guys, you're good. Yeah. Which I think is I think is good for us to know because when we as Christians sometimes we experience God in very real powerful ways and we're thinking like man there's no way that someone couldn't come to Jesus if they were here mm-hmm. um, you know if they could just come to church like they and they experienced this they would come to Jesus which it's like I know my heart believes that but when you yeah. see people not respond it's like the truth is is like not everyone's heart's going to change by yeah. by experiencing and the we do see people God.
1: respond in Esther at That's the end true. of chapter 8 yeah, it chapter says eight, that there, there was were people the that the king didn't but yeah Right. but you're right the people from all the the nations like there were people that converted to Judaism um, because of the fear of the Jews.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to Esther and being like, how does this point us to Jesus? Um, I think the biggest shadow is, is Esther. Um, shock. Yeah. <laughs> but where she risked her life. Like if I perish, I perish. She risked her life to save her people saying, if I perish, I perish. Um, this points to Jesus who gave his life to save his people. He, he came not saying if I perish, but when yeah. I perish. And I love the way Mike Cosper puts it in his book, Faith Among the Faithless. If you want a book on Esther, that's my favorite one. Like it's it's not written as a commentary, it's just written as a book in relation mm-hmm. to Esther. So amazing, I love the way that guy writes. If I could write like anybody, I would write like Mike Cosper. Yeah, He's like a, his wording is like a Christian Um, Anthony Bourdain. I guess I think he just powerfully puts things together. Anyways, one of my favorite authors, but he says this, he says, Jesus entered the throne room of God's presence on behalf of God's people. And he carried their sins on his back. He then suffered the consequences on our behalf and made a way for the rest of us to boldly enter in after him. Esther, like Jesus, entered the throne room and welcomed death on behalf of God's people, and her selfless act likewise preserved their lives. So um so Esther, any other any other shadows that you saw in there? Um, I mean, there's Mordecai has
1: a little bit of a shadow where he's like in charge. Um just like keeping peace among the Jewish people. Yeah. Um You know, I guess prospering the kingdom of God within the kingdom of Persia.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure there's more in there, but that's Esther's the layup, absolutely. And um, I didn't get any questions this week. Did you have any questions? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I do
1: think it's interesting, though, that um the the king made it clear that like the the old decree couldn't just be overwritten because it's like, well, if I do that, then like my power is thwarted. It's like people can't trust what I say.
0: Yeah, cuz there there was a loophole. The king could have changed it, but he chose not to. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I think studying studying Persian history is like that's actually not a true statement, but I think the reason why he didn't cuz he felt like it would yeah, undermine his own power. Yeah. Um when we preached through this, I remember someone was not happy. Not like I'm going to leave the church unhappy, but like they weren't they they felt like I portrayed Esther in a way that she didn't seem as heroic as they grew up believing, mm-hmm. um, but the truth is, like she, she hides her Jewishness. She's married to a non-Jew. She's most likely not eating kosher. She's having sex outside of marriage. Like, yeah, <laughs> and so, so I think like, it's important. So, it's so all to say, like, I don't know if that's a question as much as, but I think it is important to know that the Bible, um, not everybody in the Bible is a heroic figure for us to follow their example. Like, it's a right. very real and raw book, and so it portrays people not as not as perfect people mm-hmm. but as as people who are affected by by the fall and so so yeah. Esther like don't get me wrong she was awesome yeah but i don't think she was like squeaky clean sure uh, i think there's
1: like the beauty in that is that you know like god chooses to use the people who are uh, i guess for like lack of a better word like morally bankrupt yeah. it's like there's he uses the people who are the least likely to do his work because it's not about like their ability but God, what God did through them. So, like, at the the hint of like Esther not being morally upright, it's not about like her past, right? It's about like what God is doing, choosing to do through her in this moment.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so there's a lot of hope. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the big thing. There's hope. Yeah.
1: So. I think there's like been a comparison between like the prodigal son, where it's like mm. both sons are separated from the father, yeah. one because of his sin, and the other because of his self righteousness so the invitation that we can see in in Esther is that for the people who feel like they're separated from God because of their sin, God is not concerned about your past. He's concerned about now and what you're choosing to do right now. And then for the other person who feels like they're separated from God, even though they've been following every rule that the church has ever given them, that they're always in their Bible, they're always doing these things, but they don't see God moving, that to keep Keep doing it because God is saying, I'm giving, like, I've given to you everything. Yeah. Everything that's mine is yours. Um, and so there's hope there
0: too. Yeah, that's a really good word. I think it's a good word to close on. So we'll wrap up there. And next week we're, we're hitting up Daniel, I think Amos, and uh, maybe Haggai. I'm trying to think if there's a third. I feel like there's three books next week. But, I think so. But Daniel will be awesome. So yeah. So some more fun stuff. So we'll see you guys next week.